to Psychic Parrot, the podcast about amazing animals and the strange power of pets with Al and Fred. All right. Welcome back to... uh Psychic Parrots with me, Frederick Ekhoff, and my wonderful co-hosts, Alistair Goodwin. MC Alio, got the flow. Don't know (laughs) where to go from here. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. We are back with part two of Animals in Crime. The first was a giggle for sure, um, and some very poignant... um, animal um criminals it was very burglar heavy i feel yeah it was a lot of burglars yeah and now we're getting in i guess this is a little bit different yeah we're gonna go travel to our namesake um animal here Mm, Uh, allosaurus or no parrot of course have the conversation about whether or not the Allosaurus was the was the namesake animal of Psychic Parrot Podcast. No, it was it's just your namesake. <laughs> Fred Ceratops. Maybe. Yes. We still by the way, if anybody wants to name an animal, I mean a dinosaur that, we're still uh Yeah, still we're still hoping. <laughs> we will do nothing about it. No. But we would like it to happen. Yeah. Elon, help us. <laughs> Or Bezos. Yeah. Well, He's maybe, not going to help in that anyway. We could cut in a, a deal with David that will desist all podcast activities in exchange for a dinosaur naming. Oh, Attenborough? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yes. So now we are going to be prattling off the insults. Prattling off? Prattling off? Prattling, yeah. I, I'm wasted on you, Fred. Mm. <laughs> I'm just a blank sheet of paper every time you look at me. Yeah. Does he he even understand what I'm saying? Some of the time. Am I speaking English? (laughs) We are again back to India, where there seems to be a relatively higher amount of animal uh, criminals. Yeah. So in 2005, in the state of Maharashtra, I'm saying I don't know, a parrot named Hareel was arrested for swearing at an old lady yes. whose name was uh, Janabi. So it turns out the the parrot's owner was the son-in-law of this woman and had trained the parrot to insult her when she came over. Ooh, named her. Yeah, they were in some sort of dispute over property and when she came over, she the parrot would scream insults at the old lady and then the parrot gets arrested jesus christ so parrot gets arrested the police are called so they come and investigate the parrot and take the parrot away and what they said was that we um, we watched the parrot carefully but it did not speak at the police station after being confronted by the complaint <laughs> he knew when to keep his beak shut <laughs> that was my ad they didn't say that no oh. but um <laughs> <laughs> I was hoping the police <laughs> officer would say that. No, I'd given them way too much credit. I'm sorry. I w- yeah. yeah, I don't want to give them that much. But instead of locking up Harry L, 
they took him to the forestry department, and now he gets to live in the forest, and he can swear as much as he likes. <laughs> <laughs> and then there was this other parrot. This is a more historical one. This is in 1888, mm. when there was this parrot in this pub that mm. had been trained to do insults, or yeah. like trained in insults, and an Italian ice cream man walked into the pub just as the parrot said something rude and somebody thought he said it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they uh, started a riot. Mm. They chased the man out the door. So it said the parrot kept a run and fire of abusive, scandalous remarks <laughs> while they were fighting. So, like, so they were both... the <laughs> They were both jailed for a month, the two men. <laughs> the, the ice cream man and the mystery guy in the pub. But not the parrot. Don't know what happened to the parrot. Oh. I guess he res- resumed business. This all, whole thing just reminds me of back in the espionage episode, I think. That monkey that they arrested on that ship and they thought he was a French Oh, man. yeah. The- <laughs> <laughs> that came back to me. And I'm just loving that stuff. And I'm just oh, so curious what happened to the crew. And yeah. Oh, the old timey. I can do some more research for the uh, finale, Fred. I will try. Oh, that monkey is my them. hero. He got executed, though. That's, yeah. that's a shame. He got hung by, yeah. by the people of... Uh, I remember Hartlepool. I can't remember who it was. No. But we're moving on to a more like semi-historical, another criminal. Yeah. The dog. He was arrested for killing cats. Ooh. Um, That's just his nature, though. Yeah, it's just a peppy dog. Hmm. What race? I believe a Labrador, of all things. Yeah. Well, uh, golden retrievers are like the most vicious cat killers of all. Yeah, well, he was a very good boy, apparently. Mm. Um, he was the dog of uh, the Pennsylvania governor, Guilford Pinshaw, yeah. um, and was sentenced to life in prison for killing his wife's cat. And the local reporters would call him Pep, the cat-murdering dog. Huh. And so, thanks to the hype, Pep got a bit of a bad reputation. And But then a few years into... Uh, his sentence, the governor's wife, Cornelia Pinshaw. Cornelia Pinshaw. Hmm. What a beautiful name. <laughs> <laughs> uh, told the New York Times that uh, Pep had actually never murdered the cat. Yeah. And that he was just... He framed. He was just a gift to keep the prisoners in good spirits. And they bred Labradors. Oh. But, I mean, he still got... He still went to jail. Like, I can What's better? Like, a life out at the Labrador farm or a life in the slammer? But if he got to be a part of breeding more Labradors, no. he no. just got he just got gifted to the prison and became a prison dog. Oh, I think that's better than that crazy couple that he was uh, being owned by before, because they were the ones that or should be in jail. I don't know, like for breeding Labradors situation. He still didn't in jail. actually kill the cat. Didn't kill the cat. Um, what a confusing story. And, and died in jail. Yeah. Yeah. Probably a good and happy boy. Got to play a lot of basketball. I know dogs love to play basketball. Yeah, that's true. Again, we're bad-mouthing Labradors. We can't get into the Airbud stuff. Are we? No, because you you talk about dogs playing basketball, you start talking about Airbud, and then we're in trouble. Then we're in that grey area where we're oh, legally, we're being cut legally muddy. Yeah. <laughs> 
Labrador lawyers. That's when the Labrador lawyers start listening. <laughs> Any mention of air butt. So now, check your classes. We talking bad asses. Baboons? No, do you remember what an ass is? An ass. Oh, a donkey? Yeah, exactly. Ah. Wow, learning. learning. Yeah, I am. You You're are displaying me. learning. <laughs> Fascinating. <laughs> it thinks it's people. <laughs> <laughs> so in 2008, the police of southern Mexico arrested a donkey called Blackie because he bit a man in the chest, kicked a second man that was trying to rescue him, and spent the night in the drunk tank. Drunk tank? Yeah. Huh. Yeah, and the officer, Sinar Gomez, had this to say. Around here, if somebody commits a crime, they are jailed, no matter who they are. Yeah. Or what they are, apparently. <laughs> love a good uh, righteous Latino uh, policeman. Yeah, so he served three days in jail. Yeah. In the drunken tank. Yeah. But not as long as these eight donkeys, again in northern India, hmm. who rolled into town and ate about $1,000 worth of greenery and shrubs and stuff. <laughs> and they spent four days in jail. <laughs> uh, yeah, as long as they got some hay. Yeah, that's it. Well, they did. They got $1,000 worth of hay for eight donkeys. That's a pretty decent haul. Oh, they just rested out. So I'm thinking that first donkey, the reason he got in the drunken tank, maybe, you know, when um, fruit fall off the tree and then mm. it's kind of like uh, fertilized. No, yeah, not ferments. Ferments, like in the sun. Yeah. They've eaten that, gotten drunk, and then mistakenly, you know, in the drunken haze, uh, hurt these people, you know. Yeah, that's true. You think he was drunk. Well, I mean, it's fair. It's, it's... I think if he had a good lawyer, he'd get out of it. Three, three days in the drunken tank, whatever. With, all, with as much hay as you want. Like, I don't know if that's a bad situation for a donkey. Donkeys seem relatively indifferent to most things. Like They do. They do. As long as they don't have to move yeah. things. They just like standing. It's probably a nice day off. It's probably like three days off for the for the donkey being like, man, this is fantastic. Like, I can drink out of the toilet. Like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, imagine being a, a species that just likes standing. Yeah. And that's it. And chewing. Flamingos. And they just seen, like standing? You ever seen a flamingo sit down? No, they stand on one leg and they fly all together. But you mm. never see a flamingo sit down. That would no. be quite... If you did to give them a chair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, how do they hatch their eggs if they never sit down? Good question. Mm. We'll cover that. We uh, we'll... They hire a duck to sit on it. Yeah, that's true. Maybe they don't have eggs. Oh. <laughs> Flamingos <laughs> birth live offspring, yeah. eh? Yeah, the, the opposite of a, the, the opposite of a duckbill platypus. Like. Very good that Rasmus isn't here hearing this. <laughs> yeah, they, they're like the yeah, because duckbill platypuses lay eggs. Did you know that the only mammal that lays eggs is a duckbill platypus? The only there's a mammal that lays eggs, and that's that. Ooh, yeah, yeah. very fascinated by that animal. Yeah. But it's not criminal, so moving on. Yeah, it's not criminal yet. Yet. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, so now we're talking. I'm octo pissed off and I'm not going to take it anymore. Ooh. We're talking octopuses. No rhyme because nothing rhymes. They with figured out that the psychic octopus was a hoax after all, eh? 
No, this is a little octopus that lives in a German aquarium. So yeah, <laughs> it could actually be a similar one. And he's recently been causing mayhem. He likes to try and smash his glass Ooh. and uh, is constantly harassing hermit crabs. <laughs> <laughs> crabs are just... They don't do anything. They just get harassed and then get really angry about it. It's like the, the perfect angry neighbor. Yeah. But then they caught him causing a blackout at the aquarium. Ooh. Where he there was a spotlight... And mm. he intentionally spat water into the electricity from the top of his tank to uh, knocked out the power in the whole aquarium. <laughs> oh, they're so smart. Yeah. Yeah, so that's the octopuses. And now, unleash the pigs of war. Oh, God. Here we go. Want to hear more? Pigs of it's war. Pigs of war, <laughs> yes. Don't want to? There's the door. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Let me hear some more. So we're back to 1859, sort of era, where a pig started a war between the US and Britain. So it's June 15th, 1859. A British pig has wandered into American Lyman Cutler's land on San Juan Island near Vancouver. The pig ate some potatoes and Cutler shot it. Incredibly, this pig's crime escalated into the pig war. Both... (laughs) Because it was a British pig, and Americans can't shoot British pigs. No. Even if they're stealing potatoes. Uh, so both Britain and the US claimed the island, and this crime porked over into hostilities with local British and American forces entering a standoff that involved 2,500 men, five warships, and 84 cannons. Ooh. When, like, the generals finally showed up, they uh, hurriedly agreed to a truce, and the only casualty was the pig. <laughs> so it was more like a bunch of unattended drunk soldiers almost ah. went to full war because of this pig shooting. Because there is something called war pigs, isn't it? Yeah, but I think that was more like your big boar mm. rather than your humble ah. potato f- fan. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah well, it's a typical pig's name. It's a question. What is a typical pig's name? Babe. Babe. Yeah. Or, or Oinkus. Oinkus. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure oh, something like Nelly or Alfred or something yeah uh, no Miss but I like Oinkers Missy Miss Piggy Missy yeah. yeah maybe that's not I've never met a pig called Missy no okay I met the pig have you met many pigs yeah enough enough yeah I don't think I've ever met one called Oinkus but <laughs> um I have with pigs what I had with babies before, where I'm like, ooh, if I do too much, it'll start interacting with me, and then I don't know what to do. Yeah. Oh, do you mean the big pigs or like the teacup little ones? Yeah, I think I would handle the small ones better than the big ones. Are, they're scary, mm-hmm. and they come running towards you like a, a, a Labrador, and then, you know, I don't want to be at the end of that. Uh, Some friends of mine has a, a farm, and they have a couple of hogs there. With like, um, they're furred like uh, sheep. They're sheep pigs. What? It's a Hungarian race. It's fascinating. A a woolly pig. Yeah. And they just love to hang out and show off uh, in front of you. And you can go in for a proper hog hug uh, if you want. But uh, sometimes it sounds to me like you're describing dreams. But I know you're telling the truth. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> it is real. <laughs> that is it. You should have seen my dog when she saw those pigs. That was not good. Mango could not handle. You know when some things she sees is not, it's uncomprehendable. 
Yeah. And she's scared and fascinated at the same time, and no matter how long she stares at it, it's not possible to f- just figure it out. Yeah, that's what I got. <laughs> then, like, we're sleeping in this little wagon mm. next to the pig, and just in the middle of the night, she just looks at the window and just sees this pig standing up there. <laughs> <laughs> just full moon and uh, it's all horrible for her yeah. uh, traumatized a little soul she's scared of woolly pigs well at least she's not going to run into woolly pigs that often no <laughs> so. one and only time <laughs> she's not good with llamas either so yeah. I don't know just generally woolly stuff that's fair enough did I do something wrong you know what wear too many woolen jerseys no she's kind of my offspring air quotes again yeah uh, Sure, but like you can't be blamed if Mango's afraid of woolen pigs. Like that, surely I don't think you need to carry that burden, Fred. <laughs> if you say so, I do. I really do. Okay. I think I think that's down to her. Yeah. <laughs> but um, shall we move on to segment we're going to call uh, bird coos? Bird coos. Yeah. Coo. Yeah. Coo. And we're going to talk about a couple of doves that helped Fidel Castro consolidate power in 1959. <laughs> All right, it gets political. Yeah, so apparently just after the revolution, about a week later, Fidel made his first speech in Havana, and he was having trouble like, or concerned about whether or not he'd be able to sway the Cuban people when mm. out of nowhere, two doves landed on the podium. <laughs> And a lot of superstitious Cubans thought, it's a sign. Yes. (laughs) And they wonder how much of an impact that had on him soon being able to lead and become the Presidente or Prime Minister. That's fascinating. Such a random thing to happen. Yeah. And to blame the With a big uh, (laughs) impact on history, you know. But would it not be easy to stage as well? Oh, Here's my CIA analysis. A whole of this. week there's communists training pigeons to fly down to the podium. Yeah, and that's why you do two, right? Because then mm. you have a backup pigeon. Yeah. And if one of them fails, and two, bonus. Maybe there was eighteen of them and only two of them made it. Like he should have been <laughs> <laughs> should have been a hungry revolutionary uh, guards yeah. getting their meal on the way and stuff like that. He's walking with birdseed carefully balanced on his head. He's like, come on, we'll put it all over the podium. We'll put yeah, as much birdseed. Please land on my head. <laughs> Don't <laughs> shit. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, and then, I'm not sure we covered this, but there was the spy, kid, the spy pigeon that was arrested in Pakistan because it, I mean, in India, because it had a phone number uh, stamped on it. <laughs> Do they call it? I, I guess they must have, but they, they they found the suspicious pigeon, took it into X-ray it to make sure it was indeed a pigeon, and then I guess sent it on its way. <laughs> oh, sorry, dry cleaners, how may I help you? Yeah. But why X-ray the pigeon? Mm, maybe a microchip inside, that would be clever. True, but I mean, they must have called the number. Like, yeah. if you have a... But again, maybe crazy it's a somebody's racing pigeon and oh. if they lose their pigeon they would like you to call this number yeah and they're just like it's a spy burn yeah. this <laughs> yeah we've never seen such a we've never seen this technology this man yeah. is able to write on birds <laughs> <laughs> call the kremlin the solution but uh so that's our uh, sort of like i should say roughly present day animal crime stuff 
So now we're going to go back into the way, way back Ooh. and talk about a book, uh, at least some excerpts from a book called The Criminal Prosecution and Capital Punishment of Animals, published in 1906. So a lot of animals have appeared in court for trial with lawyers, etc. Mm. Um, the earliest one was a pig in 1266. <laughs> yeah, so usually if they were convicted, they were executed or exiled. However, in 1750, a female donkey was acquitted for charges of bestiality when the like locals all said, no, this is a good donkey. This is, it's, it's a well-behaved donkey with good morals. Let's just kill the guy. So, oh. but, yeah, they said so they still obviously killed the uh, the other party to the crime, but oh. they uh, let the donkey go. Oh, yeah, that yeah. sounds... I was almost going to say that sounds fair, but I'm not pro-capital punishment, even in 12, whatever, when it in was... 1750. 1750. Yeah. Oh. But it seems as well that in these sorts of times, it wasn't just animals, even an inanimate object could mm. face trial. Oh. <laughs> Hopeless, <laughs> like a spoon or something. I don't know. I haven't got any records of that, but <laughs> it was usually. <laughs> it's a witch. <laughs> it's a spoon. I saw that spoon with the devil. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so, but most often it was pigs, bulls, horses, cows, or rats, or weevils, yeah. or creatures suspected of being involved with witchcraft, oh. like the Morocco, the horse. Oh yes, he was uh, murdered for that. And yeah, or they were blamed for being abused sexually by a human. And they always, were being blamed for being... They would usually get burnt or hung along with the person that abused them. Oh, Lord. Um, Tough life back in the days. Yeah, for sure. So in 1474, a rooster in Basel was uh, put on trial for laying an egg. <laughs> Yeah. Oh. The locals were concerned that it might be the spawn of Satan and contain a cockathrice, which is a, like, chicken demon. And, of course, they didn't think of actually cracking the eggs and checking. But it's funny, because I read this thing, or saw this thing, or somehow ingested this thing, that, like, if your gang of chickens don't have a leader, hmm. then female chickens can develop the markings or like physicality of a rooster hmm. to make it look at least like they have a rooster when really they've just got a, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. a chicken dressed like a rooster. Yeah, they just need... Yeah. Yeah. And the wild chickens... Keeping have, up appearance. Here's another weird chicken fact that I don't know the actual <laughs> numbers of, but like there's a maximum amount of chickens that will hang out together before they separate and they start another group. Yeah. And there's only this ever recorded number of like, I think it's, I don't know, somewhere in the 30s of these wild, like, jungle chickens. Yeah. And, yeah, they will just be like, right, there's 31 of us. We've got to split up. Two smaller groups. We cannot be more than this number. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Whatever that number is. Well, they figure that out. <laughs> yeah, well, I guess they just watch chickens for a while. For a while. No. <laughs> just a lot of chicken watching. Yeah. So more of the crimes of the past. In 1379... At a monastery, a herd of pigs killed a man. They were all sentenced to death. Um, the witnesses thought that the pigs that had not like been directly involved in the murder approved of it. And so they condoned the murder, so they were also guilty. Hmm. So the whole herd, even the ones that stood by and didn't stop anything, uh, they're up. So they should have gone in and say, hey, 
Yeah. Don't do that, man. He's, he's, you know, like, and apparently, yeah, like, if you don't stop a crime, that's also a criminal offence. Cool it down, oinkers. Yeah, but the witnesses as well. Yeah, oinkers, babe. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> Missy, get well. off his face. Yeah. Perhaps they ate for a full of alcohol. Yeah, but apparently these old pigs obviously didn't like this guy. But the head of the monastery appealed to the local duke to have them pardoned, and he pardoned all but three. And the quote was, The frequency with which pigs were brought to trial and adjudged to death was owing in a great measure to the freedom with which they were permitted to run about the streets. Uh And because there was just so many of them. Oh. (laughs) I didn't know that hogs just ran around the streets back then. Yeah. Just eating all the swill, etc. Oh. A pig was hung in France in 1394 for eating a consecrated wafer. So one of the things I think he would get in communion. In, oh. Like, the bread and wine. So he oh, okay. Ate, Don't mess with religion. That's yeah. For sure. Don't eat the flesh of Jesus. Yeah. Oh, don't God. if you're an animal. Um, <laughs> don't try to baptize yourself. Of all of the... Uh, trials and stuff there was 200 surviving records of animal executions in europe generally hanging or burning which is so horrible to think Mm. even some dolphins in marseille were tried and executed in 1596 and there's some funny things like with just legal uh proceedings like this group of rats that were sent a friendly letter of advice that they should leave the house they were in Mm. um, because they were no longer wanted and a sow and a donkey were condemned to be hanged on appeal. And after a new trial, they were sentenced to be knocked on the head. <laughs> Just knocked on the head. I don't know. But I but... wonder, like, then I'm like, oh, it's so horrible what they did to the animals back then. But I'm thinking now it's like, hmm, there's not even, they don't even get a trial. Yeah. There's no such, they're just... Yeah, that's true. But I mean, is it just spectacle? Because, I mean, what else are you doing? Like, no. it'd be exciting to go to a to a pig trial if you've got nothing else on that day. Yeah. Except, like, turnip eating. Church. Yeah, church. <laughs> Finally, another pig trial. <laughs> <laughs> the monotony was killing me. <laughs> and you're like, clay home, you know, nothing to do. Yeah, exactly. looking at your pot. Pot staring, eh? <laughs> hey. You're either sore and rubbing your muscles from a day in the field or staring at your piss pot. <laughs> How lucky we are to own our own piss pot. Yeah. <laughs> so, here's another one. So, a Swiss town was gifted a moose by apparently a great naturalist called Lin Neuhard Thurnessier. Maybe that was his name. Maybe that was nothing like it. And so, the people looked upon the strange animal as a most dangerous demon. Mm. And a pious old woman finally rid the town of the dreaded beast by feeding it an apple stuck full of broken needles. Oh. <laughs> Horrible, eh? Horrible. Oh. Oof. There was a group of moles that were sentenced to perpetual banishment, which is hard to do to a mole. <laughs> they said, in, so in 1599, after an objection from the defendant's lawyer, the mole's lawyer, the paternal judge mitigated his sentence, adding... Uh, clause that those subterranean mammals with young and to such as yet are yet in their infancy should be given 14 days respite from being told to get out of town so if your mole is younger than 14 days as a as a kid Hmm. you give it two weeks to leave before you bring it to court (laughs) oh lord 
And then there was this quite famous case into the 16th century where this guy called Bartholomew Chesonnet defended these wretch which had feloniously eaten up and wantonly destroyed the barley crop in the province of Autorn in France. He argued it was impossible to summon all of his clients to court as they would and they would should have to be excused. This was on the ground of the length and difficulty of the journey and the serious perils which attended it owing to the unwearied vigilance of their mortal enemies, the cats, who watched all their movements and with fell intent lay in wait for them at every corner and passage. Great lawyer. Yeah. If I was a lawyer... Yeah, which you could be, if you wanted. Yeah, well, don't have the <laughs> life energy to go to law school, but yeah. back in the days maybe there wasn't any law school that you should just sign up at the town hall. I think you needed a wig. A week, yeah. A white wig. I'd get a wig. Yeah. I'd get a wig. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Maybe shave. But that's besides the point. Like, I think of work as how do I best uh, fill my day, you know, and not get too bored and stuff. That's why I don't work in an office. You know, I would tremendously enjoy it if, you know, uh, a case slammed on my desk that was, you know, about <laughs> two dogs or something, you know, much more than if it would have been in some well, human murder case or something. I think I think I would have been more intrigued by, by, by animal law. But I think if you want to practice that style of law, mm. you just need a website. <laughs> yes. Like, because then, like, you I could don't just... live in America, though. Yeah, but it doesn't matter. You could do it via Zoom. Oh, like, yeah. You could be a la- you could literally be a Labrador's lawyer, <laughs> where your whole game is that you've solved disputes between Labradors, mostly familial d- disputes yeah. over balls, neighbors and, and stuff. Yeah, and people call you up, and you get both the Labradors on, and <laughs> yes. then you uh, do a bit of conflict resolution. Yeah. Or in need be, you lay down a letter of the law. <laughs> if anybody would like to hire Fred as a Labrador lawyer. <laughs> Please get in contact with the podcast. It's your tiny window of chance. I'll refuse very shortly. He also does elephant law. I'll get burned out so fast if I get that job. Yeah. It'll be a strain. He'll do monkey accident claims. Uh, You think you'd get burned out? Hard hard dead the office? Oh, baby, you have no idea. And the murder of crows. Uh, yeah. yeah. The crows versus the people of Australia. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Big case. Big case. Yeah, for sure. So, want a quick one from the book? Yeah. We're uh, uh, nice to wrap up with some, some oldies. This is a bit more about crime fighters. We haven't really covered crime fighting animals. We've only no. covered the... The bad boys. The bad boys. I like that, though. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. But now we're going to take a bite out of crime. Ooh. (laughs) Yeah, I'm glad we haven't covered any Border Patrol dogs. But hey, we We did. We did in the first episode. We covered Adolf. Yeah, but that was uh, back in the day, so. But in this episode, in this we episode. stayed on the wrong side of the law the entire time. Well, didn't you have a little bit of uh, information about gangster pets? Oh, yeah. This is a completely different angle. Should we do that first? Yeah. So, um, I don't know if you know this, but Pablo Escobar, he was pimping it up pretty bad in the 80s. Um, so What are we talking about here? Huh? What are we talking about here? Pablo Escobar. Yeah, but what's the segment called? 
Oh, is it a segment? Uh, it's about hippos. Can you help me? Yeah. <laughs> Hippopotamus do time for the crime. No. No. Never mind. It's Any, very hard. It is very hard. Anyway, Pablo Escobar. So he got his own zoo going, you know, in Colombia and, and got animals from all around the world. But then they came and took him out uh, and just shot him in uh, 95. And then still his zoo was there. So they were like, what the hell do we do with the zoo? Uh, and then they just took all the bling-bling animals, you know, the uh, ligers and whatnot, and uh, yeah. distributed them to zoos, and, you know, people probably sold them a lot, you know. But yeah. the hippos were too big and too hard to move, so they were just like, yeah, we'll just sneak on out of here. They just yeah. left them there, <laughs> hoping that they'd die. Yeah. Um, and then, you know... 20, where are we now? 25 years on, there's a hippo population in <laughs> Colombia of about 200 animals. And wow. they're getting con- concerned that the population will get out of control because they have no natural predators. Yeah, not a, yeah. wow. So Maybe. it's an invasive species in Colombia now, hippos. Who would ever have thought a hippo would become an invasive species? <laughs> like... <laughs> Wow! So uh, Escobar's hippos is uh, his his ghost is still, uh, <laughs> you know, Escobar's hippos. Escobar's yeah. hippos. It does sound like a good title for a movie or a book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then at the same time, um, hippos at, is at on the endangered species list, so they can't just go out and shoot all of them. Yeah, but are they Colombian hippos aren't endangered? Oh, I guess they're very endangered because there's only 200 of them actually. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they're invasive and endangered at the same time. Yeah, cuz I'm just trying to think what could nothing's going to take on a hippo. I'm thinking anaconda, but probably no way. <laughs> jaguar, like you'd need a lot of jaguars. Yeah, you'd need uh, a lot of jaguars. Pack. They don't hunt in packs. Yeah. What's a big ape? Is there a big monkey in <laughs> South America? <laughs> Gorilla? <laughs> no, I don't think there's gorillas. Yeah. Well, that was a pun. That was the gorilla fighters. The... Oh, yeah, gorilla. Oh, no. <laughs> Sorry. Very good. A lot of capitalist pigs as well. Yeah. But, um... <laughs> <laughs> Great radio. I'm sorry, Fred. I really... I'm usually sharper. Oh, or, it was or good. Or am I? All right. Let's wrap this up with one... From our Bible. W- with one last knock. We'll talk about one... One good this guy. Is, this is from the book Strange Power of Pets by Brandon Tina Steiger. Brad and Sherry Hansen's Tiger. Sherry, what is Tina Steiger? <laughs> yeah, Sherry. Brad and Sherry Steiger. Yeah, that's a very talented tiger. Yeah. Only tiger that can use a typewriter. <laughs> so, Rookie the Narc says no to drugs. Police in Tacoma, Washington, have long been proud of their highly trained Labrador retrievers and their keen ability to sniff out illegal drugs. Then, in 1991, the narcotics officer decided to add another recruit with a sensitive snout to their canine corps. Rookie won't bark like the other canine cops, however, he will let out a lusty (laughs) when he uncovers a cache of cocaine or marijuana. (laughs) Rookie, you see, is not a dog. He is a Vietnamese potbellied pig. <laughs> Deputy John Jimenez, master trainer for the Tacoma Area Narcotics and Police Dog Program, rates the pig's intelligence as equal to that of the dogs. Rookie can already sniff out marijuana, uh, Jimenez says. When he's located some, he tells us by nosing around for a while and sitting down. 
<laughs> Much like if you've just smoked marijuana. <laughs> um, uh, Jimenez stated that when Rookie is fully trained, he will be able to sniff out hashish, cocaine, heroin, and methamphetamines. The master trainer expects Rookie to emerge as the star of their drug education program. The pot-bellied pig is completely housebroken and shares his abode with six dogs, several cats, and a cow. I'm not sure if the cow is a cow, is a drug-sniffing cow, but who can say? I'm just pitching uh, Chief Wiggum as that, as that actual pig. Yeah. <laughs> Rookie takes a backseat to his canine companions when it comes to jumping up on high places to search for drugs, and admittedly his work, his work pace is considerably slower than that of his buddies in the drug program, but Rookie comes on command, Deputy Jimenez said stressing the porker's positive points, and he is very good at searching under a car or a truck. Aww. That's nice, eh? Let's but, hope. Alright, so how about just one super quick last one, because it's... I don't want to end on a... Pig. I, I don't want to end on a uh, on a good good animal. I want to end on a bad one. Yeah. Yeah, we ended up at the customs field again. Yeah, we always end up in customs. <laughs> <laughs> Watch out for pot-bellied pigs or you drug smugglers. So, German Shepherd shoots her master. Then saves her life. Oh. (laughs) So, yeah, I think he's obviously full of regret. Since his family was away for a few hours on that pleasant summer evening in 1991, marksman Joseph Petrowski thought it would be a perfect time to strip and stock the trigger guard from his rifle, clean it and adjust the sight. Since he lived in rural St. Laurent, Manitoba, Canada... There was no nearby neighbours to complain about his target shooting. Petrowski placed the twenty-two rifle in barrel and clamp form and tested it several times on the target. After a final shot, he reloaded the rifle, then walked in front of the barrel to check the firing pattern of his target. He knew, of course, that this was a foolish thing to stand in front of a loaded gun. But after all, he was home alone with only his German shepherd. Vegas. <laughs> what could go wrong? He could examine the effects of his bullets on the target and he would return to the only really safe position when one is shooting behind the rifle, not in front of it. So he's up for a Darwin Award at this stage. When Petrowski heard the small metallic clink, he had but the tiniest fraction of a second to wish he had not removed the trigger guard from his rifle. (laughs) Oh my God. When he felt the bullet strike and tear into his flesh, he pitched forward on his face and blacked out. When he regained consciousness, Vegas was pouring at his face and licking him. <laughs> Instinctively, Petrowski grabbed his collar and the powerful dog dragged him over 100 feet to the deck by the front door of their home. Before he fainted from the blood loss, pain and shock, the wounded man managed to crawl to the telephone and tell the operator that he needed help. When the Mounties arrived, the Canadian Mounted Police for all the uninitiated, meaning they may have arrived on horses? Yeah. Petrowski still had his hand on the phone. At first, the officers thought the man was dead, but Petrowski remained conscious of everything that was happening around him. Later, he would remember when he heard a paramedic say that he had lost his heartbeat. Petrowski told himself that it was not his time to die, and he willed his heart to start again. Good idea in that situation, I assume. Yeah. Once in the hospital, a team of surgeons worked desperately for several hours to save the dying man's life. It was discovered that the bullet had fractured four ribs and ripped up his liver and intestines. Days afterwards, as Petrowski was recuperating from his near-fatal misadventure, someone asked him if he was going to get rid of the dog that nearly killed him. Joseph Petrowski was astonished at the question. 
He had mentally reconstructed the accident and concluded that Vegas had probably brushed against the guardless trigger, not pulled the trigger himself, uh, and the rifle had gone off. Vargas didn't do anything wrong, eh? He retorted, I made a serious mistake when I put myself in front of a loaded rifle, eh? (laughs) If Vegas hadn't dragged me back to the house, I would have bled to death. She saved my life, eh? (laughs) That's my first attempt at a Canadian accent. Oh, it's it's the first. Um... It's the first time you've heard such a bad one. Wow. I think this German shepherd just had the itch on the on its, its bottom and then uh, was uh, scratching itself on the rifle or something. It could have been anything, really. Like, why did... I just don't understand. If or you... it wanted to kill its owner and then regretted it. Yeah, that's my <laughs> thought. Or that maybe it was a squirrel. Maybe it was a squirrel. Maybe a squirrel jumped down, pulled the trigger, jumped away. They are watching us. Yeah, it could have been really to blame the dog is uh, a little bit unfair. Oh, the dog always gets friends. That's that's how it is. But um, that's <coughs> all of my crime-based information, Fred. All she wrote. That was uh, yet another uh, very informative uh, episode of uh, Psychic Parrot, don't you think? We out of time. We can't out. talk about no more crime. <laughs> don't do a dime for. Animal abuse. Get loose. Take your dog for a walk. Don't eat pork. Squawk, squawk. <laughs> squawk, squawk. <laughs> we'll let that limerick uh, close this uh, second part of Animals in Crime. Thanks a lot for listening. Thank we'll you. see you next week for the grand finale. Whoop, whoop. <laughs> <laughs>